This is Sunday Focus, a weekly public affairs program that looks at the topics affecting our society and the people who are making a change in the community each and every day. The people who have vision for the next generation. Sunday Focus presents new challenges for us, keeping you informed with topics of local and regional interest. Now the host of Sunday Focus, Christine Manica. Good morning. Coming up on this edition of Sunday Focus, we will be talking with the meteorologist in charge for the National Weather Service in Sioux Falls, Todd Highcamp. It was an active winter in the state of South Dakota. We saw some snowstorms that brought cold temperatures, strong winds, and lots of snow. What will the summer look like in the Sioux Empire? Well, it's going to be hot. Todd Highcamp with the National Weather Service talks about the weather we've experienced, what the summer weather might look like, and how we can stay weather alert. All that and more coming up on this edition of Sunday Focus. I don't know if you've noticed lately, but it's been fairly warm around the Sioux Empire, especially for this time of the year. And someone that knows way more about weather than I do is meteorologist in charge for the National Weather Service here in Sioux Falls, Todd Heitkamp. Hey, good morning, Todd. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. You know, everyone's talking about the weather, what's it going to look like this summer, and there's a lot to go over with that. But let's just remind everybody about the National Weather Service itself. Tell us what you guys do. And first off, everyone always (laughs) talks about the weather. Even if you don't even know the person, you always talk about the weather. It's like, do you know what the weather's going to be like today? Yeah, exactly. Boy, did those weather guys, they really blew the forecast. You know that? Always. Yeah, all Always. the time. But yeah, the National Weather Service, we do provide the forecast uh, for the Sioux Falls and the tri-state area. Uh, but our main function is to provide watches and warnings for that entire area. That's mm-hmm. the, our main function. We are congressionally mandated uh, to issue the watches and warnings for protection of lives and property. We are the only agency uh, that can do that. That's why radio stations uh, such as yours, as mm-hmm. well as the TV stations, uh, cannot issue their own warnings because we have the congressional mandate to do so. Uh, and that comes from the National Weather Service, but we work in partnership with the media, such as your radio stations, mm-hmm. to communicate that message because you basically are a voice. So we are the kind of like the man behind the curtain, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I do know what you mean there. And you actually, from the last time that we talked, you have a pretty cool story about how you got involved with not just the National Weather Service, but weather in general. Yeah, I grew up in a small town in southwest Minnesota mm-hmm. called Adrian, which is about 30 miles east of Sioux Falls along I-90. And uh, in fourth grade, I had a teacher named Alice Hansen, and she noticed that I had this uh, fascination with weather <laughs> at that point in time. And, then, and back then, we only had, I think, three TV stations, you know, uh, yeah. that we could pick up. Uh, and so I grew up in the Dave Dedrick and Ken Hirsch days, and I just loved watching thunderstorms. When uh, they would move through, I would sit outside, and she noticed that. And she actually brought me over to visit uh, the National Weather Service office at the airport at that time. And uh, so then it was uh, that fascination with weather grew out, mm-hmm. grew throughout my entire life and uh, went to school at the University of Wisconsin in Madison uh, and then started my career with the National Weather Service back in 1987, a long time ago. Doesn't feel like it, does it? You know, I still feel like a 25-year-old, but uh, I know my body is not that way, yes. There's a difference between me and you, Todd. You go see thunderstorms. Like, you'll get a lawn chair, sit out, watch the storms happen. Me, on the other hand, although I'm very fascinated with the weather, I'm someone that will be like, 
curling up in my blanket, not, you know, in my garage yep. watching the storm come through. Well, I always say uh, watching the storms or the weather that you have outside is the Lord's uh, canvas. Everything, mm-hmm. every, every storm is different. Every storm has a story to tell, uh, how, weather, how it uh, develops, how it uh, evolves, uh, what actually happens. And then, you know, the, we haven't even talked about the, the human side of it. And that's what you're getting mm-hmm. at, Christine, is that how, does, how do us humans... Uh, react when we see a storm coming in or not. And uh, that's where the National Weather Service comes in, is that we've tried to figure out what that storm's potential Mm -hmm. actually is and then communicate that through you guys at the radio stations to let the public know, hey, this storm is coming in, now I have to decide what I'm going to do. Holy cow, that's snow this past winter. Can, <laughs> can you believe that? I got Before we get into the summer weather, I got to talk to you about that because it sparked in my head talking about weather and just natural disasters. The snow, I, I mean, I can't recall in the last you know five years me living out here it being that much. That's the reason why you can't recall it, because it hasn't been that much, okay? But uh, everyone was asking, when are we going to have a more normal South Dakota winter? (laughs) You had it this past year, okay? (laughs) Uh, I mean, years ago, that was what was normal. And uh, everyone wanted the snow because we needed the moisture, Mm -hmm. uh, because we were so dry last summer and and fall, and we needed the the snow to make up for some of that deficit. Uh, But it was a winter that was long and hard. It wasn't extremely cold. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had probably more, let's say, larger amount of snowstorms than we've had in a long time. In other words, we just didn't have these two, three piddly uh, inches of snow every day. We had these 10 to 13, 10 to 15. We even had 20 to uh, 28 inches of snow in some areas. Uh, And, you know, there for a while in December, I can remember thinking, uh, you know, what what am I going to do with the snow? Uh, You know, (laughs) that I'm plowing out there and and snow blowing because the the, the drifts were so high at that point in time. I, I still can't believe it. My my fiance, he said the first thing when the first stro- snowstorm came through, I want to jump in it. Like he <laughs> wanted to literally be a kid playing the snow. He's a California kid, so uh-huh. he's never seen anything like that. So he he was having a snowball of a time. Okay, the question <laughs> comes in now. Yes. Is he going to stick around? Yes. Uh, you know, that uh, California kid, and he's uh, uh, experiencing this snow. Uh, you know, th- I call this population control. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many people that want to experience snow all the time. They can always think, hey, I want to go up in South Dakota, up in Midwest, experience snow. That sounds so cool to me. Yeah. But then when they actually do it, they say, oh, yeah, that's enough for me. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'll so. give him a little bit of credit because he went to school in Denver. So he oh, has sure. a little bit of experience. Yeah, but yeah, a little bit. I, I, you know, I, I lived in four, uh, Denver for four years myself. Yeah. And, and the one thing that was nice always about Denver, if you got really a lot of snow, it was gone the next day or the day after. It was only here and gone real quick. So uh, here, once we get snow, uh, it's usually sticking around for a while. Four months, maybe? <laughs> yeah, if we're lucky. I mean, like I said, this winter was one of those winters that would not quit, uh, and it just hung on for a long time. I guess you can say the theme this year for the weather, it's not a lot of questions. It's a lot of confusion, if anything. Recently here this summer, it's been pretty warm, a little bit humid here in May, even a little bit in April, and we really didn't have that much rain. Now, that's pretty much the opposite of what happened last summer, if you recall. So would you say 
it's been kind of surprising so far for Sioux Falls to get this hot and humid so quick. Well, that's usually what will happen if we are in kind of a drought condition mode. And that's what we've been for the past two years, Mm -hmm. that it's kind of self-perpetuating. That, uh, you know, the dry soil... Uh, it's not the atmosphere is not pulling up a lot of moisture from that, and so it just doesn't have a lot of moisture in the atmosphere to work on at least what we need for thunderstorm development. And that's what we've been seeing for the past week or so. We've had plenty of uh, potential for storms around. Oh here. my gosh! All uh, yeah, it's all been over the place, but we just cannot generate enough. Uh, ingredients, shall we say, uh, we'll use a more common language term, ingredients <laughs> to help those thunderstorms develop even further and to last longer. And that's what a lot of people have been noticing, that they'll come in close to Sioux Falls and be in. But, uh, you know, we haven't had a spring this year. We never had a spring last year. Last year it was so much colder. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then this year it wasn't cold, but we didn't have the the thunderstorms that we would normally would expect for that time of year. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that we go from winter, maybe like two or three days of spring, and then straight into summer around here. Yeah, you know, and that's what draws a lot of people to the upper Midwest, and it's what drew my my wife and myself back, is mm-hmm. uh, the, the four seasons uh, mm-hmm. that we usually experience around here. But since I've been back here, it's very seldom that we have a very long spring. It usually goes from winter to summer real quick. Now, I wonder if there's a reason behind that, being the weatherman. Are you, are you there, saying something to yeah, Mother just Nature? Just go, go ahead and throw a dart my way, too. You know, I, you know, <laughs> I, I am known as Mother Nature's dartboard, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> if you are just listening, being joined in the studio right now with Todd Highcamp. He is the meteorologist in charge for the National Weather Service in Sioux Falls. Todd, let's break down some of the numbers. Typically, if we did have a spring, what are the temperatures normally like around this time of the year? Well, the first week of June, we're looking at a high temperature of 78 normally and a low temperature of 56. And obviously, though, we've been well above that. We've been de- experiencing more uh, temperatures, more typical of what we would see in July. Uh, so, yeah, we are warmer. But again, that's mainly due to the fact that uh, we had... Uh, the typical weather pattern that has set up over us it would be, again, very typical of what we would see in July. Uh, but then also the dry conditions. As I said, that just kind of adds mm-hmm. to the heat uh, that we're experiencing. And, uh, you know, I wish I could say that there's going to be a little bit of break coming our way, but it's going to be uh, whatever break we see, it's going to be pretty short. Yeah. Wow. So in May, I remember that there were a couple of high numbers out there for weather, for temperatures. Did we break any records? Here in Sioux Falls, we didn't break any records, but there were other records around, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the tri-state area in, in eastern South Dakota that did break some records. But again, it was not a record, you know, uh, temperature-wise for May uh, for Sioux Falls at all. The top 10 warmest Mays. Uh, but, you know, it was still was not one of the warmest. Uh, so we've had warmer Mays before, in other words, but, you know, uh, it just seemed exceptionally warm because we had the, that one stretch we were upper 80s to lower mm-hmm. 90s, and a lot of people are like, oh, here we go. Yeah, exactly. Let's Let's – Go back in time to sure. last year, where it actually was a pretty active weather season at that point with rain. We had a derecho and sure. supposedly a haboob. So let's just go back to the first storm that took place on May 12th. Not only did this storm affect Sioux Falls, but it also affected the entire eastern portion of the state. And it, a lot of people were saying that, oh, it's a haboob, it's, this is what it is. But really, 
what is it classified now after a year later? It's classified as a derecho. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the, really what a derecho is, is it's a, it's a storm that is producing uh, winds in excess of 90 to 100 miles an hour for an extended period of time. Uh, and that's what uh, what we were looking at, uh, and that's what gives it the official classification. That classification and a quarter can get you a cup of coffee at some cafe. That's all it's <laughs> worth, okay? Uh, because we don't worry about what we call the storm, because when you're listening and you're deciding whether or not to take shelter from that storm, mm-hmm. you don't call and you don't care what we call it. Uh, we, that's news afterwards, mm-hmm. and that's where what we're talking about. But uh, you know that storm there, we were lucky. Uh, it came in at the wrong time of the afternoon, if you know what I mean, yeah. between 4 and 5.30 in the afternoon, where people were leaving uh, their businesses to head home. We had a lot of people on the road. Schools were being dismissed at that point in time. Uh, so it was one of my worst nightmares that was starting to come true, because mm. since I've been here, I've always said that I, I, my biggest nightmare was to have a major storm moving in at about 5 o'clock in the evening with pe- so many people on the move and not paying attention to what's going on around them. But quite honestly, Christine, if they were outside and they saw that storm, yeah, there I don't know I don't know what you would ha- have to think about with uh, before taking shelter because that storm was something that many people have never seen before. We have never seen something like that here in the Sioux Falls yeah. area for uh, numerous numerous years. Uh, so if you didn't know that storm was coming, you had to have your ha- head basically your head in the sand. So with the derecho back then, any more discoveries that you made from the storm now a year later? I think the, the biggest question has always been about the notification, the sirens, mm-hmm. uh, has been one of those things that have been talked about. We, the National Weather Service, have no control over the sirens. Uh, you know, we, we issue the warnings and we leave it up to local authorities uh, to decide uh, whether or not those sirens should be activated. Now, a lot of people will call them tornado sirens or whatever. They're called outdoor warning sirens and uh, will be activated at the discretion of local authorities to warn people that are outdoors uh, to get them inside to take shelter. If you don't hear them inside your home, that's by design, unless you happen to be living that close to one. Uh, But it's intended to warn people that are outside. And so I know the city of Sioux Falls had received a a number of different questions after that event uh, because our phones, our wireless Mm -hmm. emergency alert system, that that went activated the phone because we were expecting winds in excess of uh, 80 miles an hour, and that's what activates that phone. And so people were receiving the notification through the phone but waiting for the siren to go off, and they never did that because why? The city only activates the sirens for tornadoes, not strong wind events. Yeah, absolutely. What can your team do going forward in a major storm system like that? Or just in general, what can the city do, you think? Well, you know, that's the, that's the thing that we always do, Christine, is that we after any event, such as, a, you know, we came up, just came through the 25th anniversary of the Spencer, uh, South Dakota tornado on yeah. May 30th, 1998. After that one, we look at any major event uh, and see what we could we do do better or differently uh, to better prepare our staff and also better prepare the public. And we've looked at that ratio, and all we can say is that, you know, trying to increase as much media attention as we possibly can and uh, public attention through the media, I should say. Uh, but I mean, I don't, I just don't know what more we could do because really what it came down to is that our forecasters had the warning out well in advance. The radio stations, the TV stations were broadcasting all that information. Social media was mm-hmm. being lit up. So, again, what it comes down to is human behavior. 
how do you react to that storm? I mean, and that's what it, we something that we can never ever control and can never change because all we can do is try to educate them mm-hmm. um, what the potential is, and then ultimately it's up to them to make that decision. You know, we're talking about earlier how people always ask about the weather, and one meteorologist gets something wrong. Well, apparently some people then think that the media or the National Weather Service did an efficient job keeping everybody informed. So let's remind people exactly what you do at the National Weather Service to keep people up to date with severe storms. You know, if we're seeing any type of potential for severe storms, uh, let's say, let's talk about the duration day, May 12th. Uh, we saw the potential of significant severe weather uh, four or five days out in advance. And so at that point in time, we started throwing things out on social media like Twitter or Facebook to let people know, hey, pay attention here as we get closer to whatever day we're talking about uh, and, and you know, just start to have a weather plan uh, in place. The closer we get to that, we start ramping up that message even more. We have it in our forecast. We issue special products. We start briefing uh, media. We start briefing the emergency managers, giving them an idea of really what could potentially happen. Then once we get into the event, then we start you know looking at issuing a watch, a severe thunderstorm watch or a tornado watch. Uh, and then when uh, things start to really hit the fan, so to speak, and it becomes reality, then we issue the warning out as far out in advance as we possibly can. And then it's same time, uh, issuing uh, different uh, uh, social media posts, uh, basically telling the public really what's going on. We're trying to provide a little bit more definition to what the expectations were and say, hey, this is confirmation now that this is actually taking place. And so therefore, you need to take action based upon that that confirmation uh, information. Do you kind of laugh when people say that Sioux Falls is in this bubble? Yeah. (laughs) Like the Sioux Falls bubble? Yeah, that was uh, started many years ago uh, in the old radar technology that it would look like uh, this huge line of storms was coming to Sioux Falls, and then the closer it get to it, it would split in half and miss the city of Sioux Falls. Well, that was never the case. What the case was is that it was actually two separate storms, but the radar wasn't good enough years ago to (laughs) distinguish that it was actually two different storms. So yes, we have this wives' tale that uh, there's a uh, heat bubble over the city of Sioux Falls that protects it, and also that the Sioux River will protect the city of Sioux Falls. There's nothing that protects it, uh, the city of Sioux Falls other than the actions that the people take themselves. See, I didn't know about that wives' tale with the Sioux Falls oh, bubble. Yeah. I just thought it was a running joke that just started you know, pretty much. It's, it's been going for many, many years. Wow, wow. Now, I know you say that there's really nothing that you can think of that you would do differently, but because of that and all that you guys do at the National Weather Service, do you think that the public is weather aware in case of severe weather. Personally, them, and I know you guys at the National Weather Service, you do all that you can. Well, I can tell you this much. I came to the the city of Sioux Falls in 1994 from Denver, Colorado. And I said at that point in time, I wanted to truly make a difference in the area that I grew up in. I wanted to make people more weather aware and more weather prepared. For uh, up through the, you know, after the Spencer, uh, South Dakota tornado, it was at a high point. People wanted to be prepared. Mm -hmm. And I think the preparation and the awareness that the public had at that time was an all-time high. Uh, I think we're far below that now Mm. uh, because we have so many distractions. Uh, such as social media, such as our phones, so, sure. such as everything else, that really makes people second guess the information that we're presenting. 
Uh, you know, all too often, as we said, people talk about the weather. Mm-hmm. People make fun of us being weather forecasters. Oh, I, you know, I wish I had a job like that and could be wrong 50% of the time and still get paid. <laughs> you know, right. All that stuff. But when you say that, that also tells me that when we issue a warning, how much do you actually believe that warning? Because if you don't believe the forecast that we issue, you're not going to believe the warning then either. Mm-hmm. And that's where we have to change that mentality and to show people that, folks, we're the only game in town, so to speak, and you need to pay attention to what's going on because our warnings and our forecasts are by far more accurate than ever before. And if you don't take action, there's going to be consequences. So, you know, I, I think we have a lot to improve on. And it's not just the National Weather Service, it's the public, uh, it's the emergency management, it's the media, because the media is also going mm-hmm. through a number of changes as well. And so we've seen that, and we just need to, again, hopefully have, have uh, all our partners in place and continue to improve as years go by. If you are just listening, being joined in the studio right now with Todd Heitkamp, he is the meteorologist in charge with the National Weather Service here in Sioux Falls. So let's talk about what's to come with summer weather, any sort of prediction that you might have. Well, you know, our severe weather season basically is uh, May, June, and July, Mm -hmm. mid part of July for tornado uh, activity. Uh, the past couple of years, that's kind of shifted a little bit and would have been more of an August-September time frame. But uh, this year so far, it's been a very quiet, I'm going to, you know, hopefully, you know yeah, 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 exactly, right. knock on wood. It's been a fairly quiet year for us so far. Uh, and it looks like the way the weather pattern is going to uh, be over the next couple of weeks, that's probably going to hold. Uh, we may have a few storm, severe storms here and there, but nothing that's going to be a significant outbreak. And then when you get into July and August, then you're you're typically, again, normally be dealing with more rain and hail than anything else. So uh, the weather pattern, the way it's taking shape, does not bode too well for us to be in very wet. Mm. And uh, when you say that, that means drought, but it also means a lack of storms. So I think our severe weather season uh, right now does not look like it's going to be too active. But remember this, it only takes one storm, just like May 12th. Uh, of last year to make everyone think that we had a very active severe weather season because if it impacts you obviously it is very important and it is very uh you know a significant event but uh, overall one event out of a summer is is not very active absolutely but it does take one event to make you think about your weather preparedness and your weather safety so let's talk about safety first let's go over the heat since we know it's going to be a hot summer when you know that it's going to be you know, warm and people are outdoors. How do you stay alert and how do you prepare for that? Well, one of the biggest fallacies that people have is that when it gets hot, what's one of the first things people start thinking about doing? Going to Yeah, going to a <laughs> lake to swim or going to a pool. And that's you know, that's good. That will keep your, your body, your surface temperature cool. But you got to worry about your internal temperature when it comes to heat. And that's where you need to make sure you're drinking plenty of, sorry, Christine, non-alcoholic beverages. Okay? <laughs> you need you need need to drink water. By the way, this is water that yeah, I'm drinking yeah, right now, yeah, but go on, Todd, yeah, yes. Yeah, you can fool me, you know, <laughs> but yeah, you need to drink plenty of non-alcoholic beverages, and, and uh, if you start to feel your skin becoming flushed, uh, or if your body stops sweating, uh, those are all signs that you're dealing with, uh, you know, heat exhaustion, and uh, you need to get yourself into a cool place, and be aware of the elderly and the very young. Those are the two age groups that are going to be very uh, susceptible to, to heat issues and uh, and probably people that aren't capable of dealing with that themselves. So you got to be aware of that. We talk about kind of like the danger spot for temperatures. So when do you think it's 
you know, okay to stay outside and when it should be okay for people to go inside. It's going to vary from person to person. Yeah. I, I wish I had a threshold because it, it depends on your, the, the health of the, indiv- true, yeah. health of the individual. But I will also tell you this much on days when it's more humid, if it's not, you know, let's say 88 degrees and the relative humidity is way up there and you, and you can just see the, the, the uh, sweat on the windows forming and stuff like that, that can be more harmful because your body isn't as able to sweat as well as it otherwise would be. And that sweat is what keeps you cool. On a dry, uh, hot day, mm-hmm. those days sometimes can be fairly comfortable, if you know what I mean, because oh, of the yes, fact I do. <laughs> yeah, because you get a little bit of breeze and then you're sweating and that sweat uh, you know, evaporates and it cools your body. So it really does depend, though. Yeah, yeah, I can totally understand that. One thing, humidity, my hair doesn't mix. I, I, I have the same problem. <laughs> I have bad hair days every day of my life, Christine. Oh, gosh. You know, I, I can tell you, though, that dry heat, though, I was in Arizona, and I said, yeah, I could totally breathe in this, mm-hmm. live in this. But for, you know, being in the Midwest, it does get humid out here. So people that have to work outside, any recommendations for those people? Take frequent breaks. And don't sit there and tell the boss that the weatherman said, hey, I need more frequent breaks. <laughs> right, but, you, little notes. you know, take advantage of those breaks that you're, get, uh, that you're given by sitting in the shade uh, or air conditioning of your vehicle. But again, staying hydrated. That's the whole key. Uh, if, uh, you know, there are signs that your body gives you uh, to take those pre- uh, precautions to help minimize the impacts of the heat. And, and so you need to be aware of that. And just like we were talking about being aware of the, the dangers the storms mm-hmm. are, are coming, you need to pay attention to the signs that your body are giving you. If you don't, there are going to be consequences and you're going to be passing out or you're going to have, you know, start to, to feel, you know, pretty ill. So be aware of it. But main thing is stay hydrated. And speaking about severe weather, let's talk about those safety tips for severe weather. Well, again, I think the main thing is pay attention to the weather forecast. Mm-hmm. Know what's going on around you. Keep your head on the swivel. I mean, if you're, if you, it's three o'clock in the afternoon and it starts getting dark, you know that storms are approaching. Stop doing what you're doing outside and get inside at that point in time uh also if you're let's say kids activities like soccer baseball anything like that if you hear thunder know that you're close enough to the storm to be struck by lightning now yeah the odds of winning the lottery are better than getting (laughs) struck by lightning but why take the chance right uh you know those are things that again the good lord provides this word of warning uh, at that point in time pay attention to it and know what's going on don't believe the old adage of you know counting how many seconds before you hear the thunder uh, because that can be impacted by the direction of the wind. If you can hear thunder, just know that you are close enough to the storm to be struck. What about like an emergency kit, flashlight, batteries, anything like yeah, that? Yeah, you, if you're at home, it's good to have an emergency kit uh, in your shelter because if your home was hit by a tornado, that, that shelter or that uh, kit would be available in your shelter. Uh, a lot of times people will recommend having credit cards and stuff like that in that. I don't uh, because those credit cards could be lost real quick. Uh, just know where you can get, get to them. Uh, the other thing is, again, uh, Make sure that you have a shelter designated uh, and that people in your family know where it's at and have one designated not only at home, but church, work, every place that you go, discuss it with your family. I, you know, my kids will be the first ones to tell you that it, there's some bad things about having a dad that's a weather forecaster or a meteorologist. Okay? <laughs> one of them is when we went camping, we'd always, first off, right away, I would say, here's your storm shelter, which would be the bathroom. Whenever we were camping, I would make sure that they would know that because when you're camping or outside, everyone's going to be scattered about. So everyone needs to know where that shelter is. 
Now, in a different season, fishing season, does that look good this year? Yeah, always looks good. Always <laughs> looks good. Anything, any activity that you can do with your family or friends or anything like that that gets you outdoors, enjoy it because we know that our summers are way too short around here. Absolutely. Once again, it's Todd Highcamp with the National Weather Service here in Sioux Falls. He's the meteorologist in charge and a good fisherman, too, might I add. <laughs> now, Todd, if anybody wants to know more information about the National Weather Service or what's to come this summer, summer how can they keep up with you guys well we have a number of different methods you can uh, go to our website which is weather.gov forward slant sioux falls or just go to weather.gov and click on sioux falls and you'll be sent to our website right away and also we have two social media feeds uh, facebook as well as twitter those are two great ways to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the national weather service yeah they're very active on social media again todd high camp in the studio thanks so much for joining us this morning thanks for having me i'm christine manica and you've been listening to sunday focus i'd like to thank Todd Highcamp for joining the program today telling us about what weather we can expect this summer in the Sioux Empire. It's never a bad idea to be too weather aware. To keep up to date with the latest forecasts around the Sioux Empire, you can always visit weather.gov FSD. That's weather.gov FSD. You can also stay up to date with the latest weather forecast by following the National Weather Service Sioux Falls' social media pages. Before we close this episode today, I would like to take this moment to give a special shout out to the dads, grandfathers, uncles, and father figures. To my dad, thank you so much for always motivating me and for encouraging me to be my best. I have my strong work ethic because of you, and I can never thank you enough for that. To my future father-in-law, thank you so much for welcoming me into your family for the past two years. You have treated me like another daughter, and I can never thank you enough for your kindness. To my grandpa and to my uncles, I am always smiling and laughing because of you. There isn't a dull moment in this family. And to my grandfather that I never met, my grandpa Murphy, thank you for inspiring me to be the sports fanatic that I am today. I'm not a Cubs fan yet, but maybe one day I will go to a Cubs game just for you. Once again, happy Father's Day. Please join us again next week for another edition of Sunday Focus. Sunday Focus is a public affairs program of Results Radio, Town Square Media, Sioux Falls.